0: to green light this is this this guest is awesome i got my coach jeff fisher on here my former coach longtime nfl coach not only one of my favorite coaches one of my favorite people and he's joining me he at technical difficulties at his at his farm in nashville and now he's over at where are you where are you at right now
1: I'm at my daughter's house, Karen, okay. Justin, Millers, and okay. my granddaughter. It's good to see you. I love the hat, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it says J- it was, says
0: JF, but uh, you know, know. It's, it's not Jeff Fisher. It's another thing.
1: Get it. I'm glad you got it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so now, Fish, you know, you're out of coaching a little bit. You've taken up social media, which is awesome. The day I saw my coach on Twitter using gifts, interacting with people. I thought it was cool cuz it shows people a different side of you that I you know like when people see you on the sideline scowling looking intimidating and they're like what's Jeff Fisher like I'm like he's the funniest most chill dude I mean he's badass but he's chill. What do you see on Twitter? What's your what's your social media experience like?
1: You well, here's the deal, you know, after you know we have something in common, we both parted ways with the Rams and and I went after you did. So (laughs) after, after that happened, you know, I, I guess the best way to describe it was I had my rear end drug down the asphalt for two years. And, you know, there's, there's a difference between, you know, constructive criticism, people's opinions and things that aren't true. And so I just wanted to kind of set the record straight. And, and the needle was so far one side on, you know, the seven and nine and all that stuff that I wanted to move the needle back to the middle. And I wanted people to know who I really am. You know, I mean, there was, we, you know, I had I went won ten in a row and lost the eleventh game one year, and you know I had MVPs and a Super Bowl team and all kinds of stuff. And but the narrative was always seven and nine, and the seven and nine thing spun out of, of the hard knocks thing where I was ripping into the team for some stuff that went on, you know, at night that were were right. team violations and stuff and actually saved a guy's marriage because of it but i catch shit for it so anyway i wanted to move the needle back so it's been a lot of fun and uh, and i not i would say i'm not surprised but there are a lot of really good people out there yeah come to your defense that think think that take you for who you are actually
0: and then also there's the whole other thing where like you actually have a voice and and you're not like a punching bag or something like you can't talk about Jeff Fisher anymore because Jeff Fisher's on Twitter, and now you've got to stand by your comments. Like if if you're if you're giving an unfair criticism or whatever, like people act differently when there's actually like a chance that the person's going to see what, the, and you got to stick to the facts more. And and yeah, you had some yeah. great teams, and and when we were in St. Louis, my thing is we never could get over the hump. I think a lot of it had to do with Sam's injury. Uh, you know, I thought we were so close.
1: Um, well, Chris, it's funny you bring it up because I was having this conversation a couple days ago. And that you know, before I got there, you guys now you weren't there the whole five years, but you guys the Rams had lost more games than any team in the history of the NFL in five years. Yeah, I mean, it was. And I remember the first team meeting where I stood up there, I recognized three people that was you, that was Sam, and that was James, yeah, And, and Steven, yeah. And um, it's just we went from two and fourteen to seven, eight, and one, four, one, and one in division. But it's important to point out: I took the job because of the owner, because of Sam, a franchise quarterback, and the fact that we could build a defense around you guys. and And year one, we do well. Year two, he tears his ACL. Year three, what happened? He tears his ACL. Yeah. So the question is: What would have happened had he stayed healthy? Yeah, that. And the, listen,
0: I, I'll always remember that Cleveland game um, yeah. because I thought that year. When we were coming in, we were loaded. Like we had a yep. badass defense. I've had a lot of people that love the defense I was on in Philly, that love that defensive line. Now we got to win a Super Bowl, so everybody inflates like everything about the team. Yep. Now we were a great team, we were very complete, but as far as like the D-line is concerned, the best D-line I was ever on was in St. Louis. And yep. y'all put that together, and our defense played with an edge, we played tough, and we were, we were starting to figure out how to play complimentary football. We got Sam rolling, and then that that you know Jake, who was really you know injury prone towards the end. You know a lot of uh, my, uh, miles on the tread there. Uh, yeah. He got beaten that Cleveland game. Sam tore his ACL, and that was the first one, right? Or was that the second one? No, that, was
1: second. That, that was the second. That was the second. One. But, but that was the year
0: one. we were rolling. We were going to roll that year.
1: Yeah, but the first one was here before Carolina. Carolina. There was that. There was a little stuff going on between you. And I missed it. I, I missed the second half and, of that and game. Some of their offensive I guys. You may have missed some of that game. Yeah, yeah I, I <laughs> so, did. So anyway, I you know we were on track, but what we did what there was we continued to build, mm-hmm. and so we built that team. And you know, it, it obviously the we saw the success or the hard work just the last couple of years, and I'm happy for those guys. But yeah. anyway, it's just it that's the NFL, and that's how it ha- things that happen like that.
0: No doubt about it. Um, and 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 you do want to get back into coaching one day, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I saw, I
0: saw the funny, the funny clip you put out with the dogs where you were feeding your, I'm still coaching.
1: That's what I said. (laughs) I'm still coaching. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hey, hey, you're a hell of a dog trainer. Um, you're also, you're also one of the best prank. Uh, I wouldn't, I I don't know if you're a prank artist, but you really like pranks. You're a prank connoisseur. Is that well? That's the
1: thing that people don't understand is, is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I wanted to do was when you pulled in the parking lot to the facility, I wanted you to run in run the building. In the building, building. Could wait. We couldn't wait to get to work. Yeah. And that that was the environment that we created. And so you got to be able to make fun of yourself and prank and do this. And you guys took it to another level, which <laughs> was really fun. But I mean, you were there when I think you were there when um, um, we we, st- we started a couple. We started OTAs, and you know um, uh, our middle linebacker came in a little ha- heavy, and I did that thing up on the stage <laughs> with the skit stuff, and that was totally random, totally spontaneous. But yeah. I love that stuff, and I yeah. know you guys did too, because you can make fun of yourself, make fun of you guys, and you know there's there's what you do is you have fun and then you work. Yeah, and you know what and-
0: I, I you know what I liked is you had this thing where listen. We had fun all the time, and but you had your rules. You had a few rules that you were like, okay, you just don't break these rules. And I, I describe this a lot when you talk about coaches. Coaches have idiosyncrasies, and some of them might make no sense to you, but if you respect and love your coach, you just follow the dumb rules that they have. Now, one of yeah. the rules you had, I actually thought was a very good one, which was no, no sleeveless shirts in the cafeteria. I remember the yeah. first day I walked out of the locker room, probably hadn't showered all day, and a sleeveless shirt, you're like, hey man, sleeves. I never walked back in with, with sleeves on, because I'm like, I yeah. like my coach, I'm gonna follow the rule. Now, there were there was the rule that, that surprised everybody, it was you don't like rookies singing at the beginning right. in, in camp. You, that's one form of hazing you're not really into. Explain why. Well-
1: well, but the I mean, the background behind that is, is if you treat a rookie like a rookie, he's going to act like one. Yeah. Okay. If you haze him and, and, and he doesn't want to come to dinner because he's got to stand up and sing because I had to do it. I was a rookie. Yeah. I made a mistake and, and, and juggled and sang my fight yeah. song the first time I stood up in front of those, those, those bears and I had to sing every day. And so you get to the point where you rather not go eat yeah. because you got to sing yeah. and, and so the common things that are important to win in are, are, you know, taking care of your body, eating. So I just did. I just there's times to play around with the rookies and let and treat them like rookies, but around in in the, the the work area or the work window there, I just want them to be professional. I
0: thought it was unique, and I told people that the rest of my career, I was like, okay, y'all y'all make rookies sing, and that's fun, and everybody likes it, but. You know, I kind of saw that side of it. When you said that, that's right, because we came in the first, your first year, and we and we were used to, we were like, hey, rookie, get up there. And you were like, no, we don't make the rookies sing. We have yeah. a lot of fun, but these guys, we're going to depend on them to make plays. And as a vet, I hope I, I did this, and not necessarily, I'm not asking you, but I'm just saying in general, I hope that rookie and young players that dealt with me through my career would, would say that guy took care of me and treated me like a vet. I was never big on, treating rookies like shit, because like you said, I'm gonna need that rookie. And also, I had vets that treated me good, so why would I want, you know, I mean, and there's a thin line. Now, when you sung in front of the Bears, how intimidating was that? I mean, that group.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I looked around, and I mean, you talk about Alan Page. Yeah. I mean, Alan Page and Walter Payton were in the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. And I'm singing. I mean, yeah, it was intimidating, yeah. you know, but I, I heard about the NFL and that back then it was a little different, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So I, I just felt, you know, I always felt, and I learned, you learn things along the way and, and, and you learn things by experience. And I just wanted the rookies, our job and, and your job as a veteran, whether you like it or not, is to try to get that rookie up to speed as quick as he can. Cause we're counting on it. Right. We want to win. Games and right. and if you just beat him down, you know, or treat him like a rookie, he's going to become indifferent. And then you got all the other things. So it, it wasn't. I mean, you talk about rules. I didn't have a whole lot of no. Rules, but so. the
0: few you had, people yeah. because you don't have fifty. You know, you yeah. you pick. You have your your ways. Now we're not talking about football rules. There's non negotiable yeah. ways to play good football, and you have yeah. your philosophies and ways to do yeah. things. But from a, a, a an auxiliary standpoint, there's coaches have to decide which you know, which bush to pee on, you know, like, and for you, you didn't pick 15, but the ones you pick, and I think this is a good coaching philosophy in general is pick the stuff that you, you know, the idiosyncrasies that you think matter and do it intentionally. And it makes sense. Like no sleeves in the cafeteria. I don't want an armpit hair in my, in my lasagna. Yeah.
1: And the plus you have female serving. you have females, you know, they're serving food and you know, it's just, they don't don't want to, they don't
0: want to smell your armpits. They don't want to smell. They don't want to smell no. William Hayes' armpits. And I wanted to get no. I wanted to yeah. get I, by the way, William Hayes, for those of you listening is my all time favorite teammate. He was uh the other left end with me. There was no backup and, and 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 uh starter. In fact, towards the end when I was hurt, he took my job and I, I wasn't even mad about it. William Hayes is a great football player. William Hayes is one of the most underappreciated football players I ever played with. This guy was as good against the pass as he was against the run. He could rush inside out, and Fish brought him and a bunch of guys. By the way, you brought over Cortland Finnegan, Will, a bunch of guys. Greg brought over guys, some of my favorite teammates of all time. William Hayes, though, as good a football player as he is, and he's still one of my best friends, believes in mermaids and does not believe in dinosaurs. Can you explain when that started?
1: Well, I mean, that started back in Tennessee. The mermaid thing started, and – you know, for, you know, for a year or so when he's standing up there talking about mermaids, you're going, all right, eventually he's going to kind of crack break a smile character. like you just did and go, okay, I gotcha. But no, he to this day has never cracked a smile. Yeah. He believes there is such thing as mermaids.
0: Yeah, well, his, and, and it's hard to argue with his logic. His logic is that, and I quote, I believe, I, I might be paraphrasing it, you mean to tell me with that giant motherfucking ocean uh that there's not one goddamn half fish half woman looking motherfucker in that entire thing that's what that's yeah, how I
1: can hear it put exactly that way but um <laughs> I, I see it. i could, I can see him talking about it right now. It's hilarious, and he deadpans it and he believes it and no dinosaurs.
0: I mean- the government planted the dinosaur bones as he calls them.
1: Well yeah because they 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 charge it ad- admittance at the at the museums you know that's that's his philosophy
0: and he's dead serious so so fish i'm taking him to tanzania this this uh this spring oh, so good. are yeah. you
1: taking him up the big mountain or are you just no, taking him on a
0: no so okay. so full disclosure uh, again for people listening i do waterboys.org uh and kind of organic moment here fish is the reason or one of the reasons that hundreds of thousands of people have clean water because Fish gave me permission to go climb Kilimanjaro and that's where I got the love for this water thing. You climbed Kilimanjaro before me. How was that and was it like to hear your, one of your players that's your highest paid players on defense come to you your first off season and say, hey, how's that mountain? And you were like, oh, it's a great mountain. I'm like, I think I want to climb it this off season. You were like, uh, I don't know if I like that.
1: Yeah, when you're gonna, what part of the off <laughs> are you gonna climb? Yeah, well. I mean, I was really excited that you did it. I mean, I I did it with the Wounded Warrior Project, yeah. And so uh, I did it with Teddy Bruski and uh, some guys from the league, uh, Chad uh, uh, Chad Brown, and uh, some other guys from the league. And and we went up with four soldiers, and I went to up with two single amputees, and. Um, unfortunately we went up with, like you probably experienced, we went up with 11, eight, you know, three got the altitude sickness. We finished with eight, but we had a single amputee finish. One did not. But the cool thing was, is we took a spare prosthetic leg mm-hmm. up to the top of the one that got the altitude yeah. sickness. So, and, and all that cool stuff, it was just a, it was an amazing experience. And um, I'm sure you, you got to the summit as the day was yeah, sun, locked, sun just and... comes up
0: and it's yeah, beautiful, it's, it's beautiful it's, it's, and it's, it's emotional too because, I don't know about you, including training camp or Greg Williams' 40 up-downs, which I used to train for obsessively and then he would do like 20 the first day and be like, got yeah. you guys, I hope you train. Um, when I'd get up to the top, I was so shot and so tired and emotional. I'd cry, I, I wouldn't cry. After we won the Super Bowl in New England, I did not shed a tear. Three weeks later, I'm on the mountain with these vets, you know, because we do our Conquer and Kelly thing, and we've had single amputees. We had the first woman above the knee amputee to summit in Kirsty Ennis. We had a blind dude summit. We've had all types of people, and you know, just watching them will their way up the mountain and lead these big baby NFL players, because you weren't there with a bunch of big baby NFL players. I've had some big babies uh, that lead these guys up. It's emotional, man, and, and it's very cool. So maybe one day, we'll go back, maybe.
1: I'm up for it. Okay. Cool. I'm up
0: for it. Okay. Let's talk about the uh the game this weekend, because you're you're um you're a fixture in Nashville. I mean, if there's one city that you should that you should be happy to be good in, it's Nashville and people love you in Nashville. What's the buzz like there right now, um, with this team making this seven and three playoff push being on this t- on this tear?
1: You know, it's really changed. You know, because I, I did. I actually attended um, uh, as a guest of the Titans the an early game in September against the Colts, and it was a close loss. And a lot of people were disappointed. But to watch things change week after week after week, and then watch them finish the way they did, there's a great deal of excitement here. I, I mean, i was running out and about today, and it was like, Coach, what's going to happen? What do you think? I said, Well, as long as the fire alarms in the hotel don't go off tonight. <laughs> Then I, I like their chances, yes yeah. yeah. the last time I was there in a playoff game I heard about sure, this. I heard. yeah, they went off at two o'clock in the morning and and go figure it 's only ten degrees outside yeah. or minus ten. so anyway um, i I like the game, uh, I like their chances, um, you know you can't ever pull uh, against New England, especially in the playoffs, but I like what the what has come together with respect to the Titans offensively defensively. Uh, if they can cure that kicking ailment that they have, yeah. that they didn't address all year, uh, that then I, I like their chances even better. But when Derek Henry takes charge, uh, which he has uh, the last, last month or so, um, I like their chances because that just simplifies things for, for, for Ryan. And that gives them a chance.
0: And you talk about Derek, you talk about Ryan and we played uh, Tannehill in, in Miami and it's no secret. I don't know about you. I did not see this coming when that, when, when, when he was waiting in the wings and I was saying to myself, I don't think is the answer. I love the kid. I don't think he's the answer. The backup's not the answer. I played against him in Miami. We know who he is now. How does it happen? Like, is it a case of, is a combination of Gase's scheme didn't work for him and vice versa? Is there something that Tennessee's doing different or is it the complimentary football that he's afforded and the complete offense that they run?
1: Well, I think it's, it, 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 this is the, this is the, The central issue here, and when you played them in Miami, you probably weren't concerned about their run game. We weren't. Okay? Even though they had Kenyon Drake, and even though they had your teammate for a year, Jay Yeah, they didn't believe in him, Mm -hmm. and they didn't run the football. That makes quarterback play hard. Yeah. so. And this is not a shot at anybody other than those are two good running backs that went on and had you know did some damage in the league. But the difference is with with respect to Ryan Tannehill is they believe in Derrick Henry and he believes in 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 himself now. Right. And so that makes quarterback play a little bit easier. Plus, I think you know uh, since Taylor came back and he settled in after the suspension, he's playing a little bit better second part of the year. I think they're better up front. But uh, the Derrick Henry this is the reason you have guys like Derek Henry on your roster is to win playoff games. And I think, uh, you know, that's what obviously that's what new England's focused on. Okay. Right. So if, if they become too consumed with it, then they're going to be some plays down the field, but that's where they got to start. Cause that's the difference in this game. I believe.
0: Yeah. And, and new England's gotta be focused on Derek Henry. And I think one thing that, that, that the Titans can take advantage of is the Patriots have not been great on the perimeter in the run game. If they can, run some off-tackle stuff, and pound the ball on the edge, they could make some hay. Now, I know the Pats probably load the box. I got to figure. But play action, uh, Tannehill's been more aggressive than anybody in the league. 13 yards in an attempt. Uh, I I figure if they can get that run game going, it's going to be a long day for New England. That's all I'm saying. But would you rather limp in, as the Patriots have done, in a home playoff game, or would you rather be the hot team on the
1: road? Well, I mean, I, I it seems like over the years New England comes in how, anyway. I mean, they either limp in or they come in on fire. But they, st- the fact is, they get in. Yeah. Now, let's go back to the run game thing a little bit. Uh, the last time in a meaningful game that the the Patriots had to shut down the outside zone play, the stretch play, was in a Super Bowl, and right. they and they 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 basically gave the rest of the league a blueprint on how to stop the Rams. Right. The difference here is that I see the you know there's more variety in the run game out of Tennessee than there was with the Rams. Yeah. Okay. So the outside zone, the stretch where you just set your edges, which you were the best at, mm. and keep that thing inside. Uh, that's not the the extent or the limit uh, of their run game. They can do some different things. So yeah. there's going to be a chess match in here, and that's interesting to watch because as as you know, you know you got. You know, you got understudies. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got Brabo, who's done a great job. Look, the last time I got a check was two thousand eight from them, so they mean nothing to me. But the point is, is he he has game planned against his former head coach, right? And uh, Dean Pease is there, yeah, and Pease, so yeah, as well. the The question I think remains is that who's going to do the better job adjusting? Right game now right. they're both going to have their plans they're both going to go in okay what are they doing differently how do we change how do we adjust can we adjust so right. you know you got to give the upper hand to the veteran staff but there again i i'd like what i've seen out of arthur smith and out of dean pease and and mike staff here in nashville making some adjustments now there are there are some questionable in of game decisions right that that I've seen uh but that's just my opinion right. and I'd never second guess a coach because he's the only one that has the information. But yeah. you go, Ooh, why did, why'd that happen? But I think the big thing is right now is what are they gonna do with, with the with their their place kicking. Yeah. I mean this is a historic yeah. bad effort this year with a with field goal percentage. Well hopefully so they, they're they're gonna be
0: they, I figure in the snow, which is it seems like it's gonna be bad weather that's what I just heard. So I I, I could be wrong. I, somebody could have been being sarcastic. But let's say the weather's bad. You yeah. know, maybe they get a pass there because both kicking games might get canceled out, and we see a bunch of fourth and short situations in plus territory. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, all I can tell you is I was part of the team that went back, went up there in the snow in a regular season game, yeah. and I was proud that we just held them under six.
0: That was the that was an ugly one. Was that the game William Hayes got hit in the head with the football?
1: Oh, no, that was Kansas City.
0: Can you tell that story real quick as an aside?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, this is shortly after. So we go to Kansas City uh, the time prior, and and we had two – how about this? Two 100-yard rushers in the game. Yeah. Okay, I got Chris Johnson and Lindell White, yeah. both at over 100 yards. When's the last time that happened?
2: Yeah. I, I mean –
1: had it going so the next time we go to Kansas City Kerry Collins is playing and um you know Kerry wasn't going to get hit and you know he's standing back there and and he doesn't like what he sees and and the pockets collapse and and Kerry just cuts the ball (laughs) loose and he throws he throws it away and and you know the ball comes like to my right from my right to my right and I go all right good job Kerry you threw it away here we go it's second 10 and, but as the ball came over my shoulder, I heard this weird thump. I mean, it, was like, it wasn't just like you hit a chest or something. It's like it hit a melon. And it did. It hit it, him right it, in the it,
0: temple, I heard.
1: Well, in the ear. Right above <laughs> the ear in the temple. and And... Kyle Vandenbosch was already struggling and we were down to three ends and now Will's out with his concussion and the ball hit him. Oh yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I heard
0: he thought somebody from the crowd hit him in the head because he was so disoriented. Yeah, he... Now you mentioned yeah. Kyle Vandenbosch. Is it true he used to run through the end zone every play? Is that in practice? Pretty close. He would yeah, run like I mean, sixty yards. He
1: all, all the way down he chased the play. He yeah. was the, he was the, he
0: was the hardest playing guy. Was he the hardest playing guy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And remember, uh, I think it was Nike came out with these uh, low glare contact lenses and they were red. And so Kyle wore them because, you know, he had eye issue, whatever, but he liked the sunglass effect in the game. But he would go out as a captain for coin toss. And, you know, it seemed like every other week the officials would come. Coach, are you sure is okay? His eyes are really red. I go, yeah, they turn red every time he gets on the field, you know. They thought he was a mess, but yeah, Kyle was, Kyle he, was really he, he
0: He was awesome. Um, getting back to the game here, you've got A.J. Brown, right? How does he fall that far? Like, what was the – did I miss something? And, yeah, and, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's got 45-yard plays I, I, in four I, straight games.
1: I did, yeah, I mean, I – you know, obviously, you know, you can blame everybody else for him falling that far, but you got to give them credit. Yeah, for, for grabbing him, and, and having a chance to draft him. What was the knock it, on him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't evaluate him. Yeah. I like the TV sc- scouting, and he's a big, strong, physical guy that can accelerate and go get the ball. And you know, when 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 it comes down to someone making a play put it in just get it close to him he'll he'll make that play and
0: and he's gonna be uh manned up on Gilmore some and Gilmore had a tough time last week uh, down in Miami how do you see that going cuz a lot of times i know the pats will put Gilmore on the 2 and double the 1 you think this is a wise move if they man well, him up on AJ? It's,
1: it's, it's interesting to watch early in the game to see what the philosophy is, what they're, whether they're going to leave him outside and, and get the matchup, or we'll try to move him around to create a better matchup. But, um, you know, Stephon's a good player, and, and you know, inside is, is a different world. Yeah, uh, and, he, and he handles that inside. So we'll just watch him move around. But uh, the, I think they're both going to make plays when the game's set and done
0: now do you, now do you man up if you're if you're uh if you're the the pats are you worried at all about tannehill's athleticism to a degree that you adjust how much you play man
1: uh i don't I don't think so I mean you have to be concerned but i mean you you can you know you can mug rush or whatever you guys yeah. do the best at it you know you know how to do that mug yeah. rush and, and keep them in the pocket I know how to tough. do it I know how to do it
0: and I hate doing it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know, but that's that's where you got I mean that's yeah. where they win games. Yeah. I mean that early on, especially on third, to go get him on third down, yeah. but you know, and the, on the early play pass downs, you know, make sure you're keeping him inside and make sure the ball's coming out on time and cuz then you got coverage to affect it. But I I see him I, I don't see him i do not see any called runs yeah. to the quarterback, but I see him, you know, you know as you, I always used to tell you guys this boy if, he, if the quarterback pulls the ball down and runs for a first down in two minute situation the odds are them winning that drive are pretty good so yeah. they got to watch out in those specific situations 2 minute before the half before the end of the game where he's he's running using his legs to keep to keep the drive alive
0: well the way those backers are built the way that they spy guys i mean they're all my size i mean whether it's Jamie Collins, Calvin Oy, uh Dante Hightower tremendous players now what they don't do is they don't they don't rush the passer that well, truly what they do is they create pressure and they don't have guys who win rushes. Uh, but they've been right up at the top of the league and getting pressure. And a lot of that's manufactured. Now on the other end of it, the Titans have given up a lot of sacks. Um, if you're the Titans, are you keeping a lot of people in and protection? Are you just more focused on getting the ball out quick? Like what do you do?
1: Well, I, if you're the Titans, I think what you do is you have to show something a little different on, on those, Critical downs, those third downs, the three to six, the seven to tens. Yeah. You know, if you stay consistent with the same personnel grouping, the eleven personnel grouping, and you know, try to change maybe a protection here, center to tight end or away tight, things like that, they're going to collapse the pocket really quick. They're gonna take advantage of it. Yeah. But if you if you change if you show some things that they haven't seen um, you know, on on those critical downs, then I like your chances. That's going to may even include some, you know, play action protection. Yeah, you know where you're turning and washing everybody, and you know the one thing they can't do, and the one thing you guys have, and you've always been good at it. But the the New England, and you can test testament to this, is that you know when when they're going to keep a tight end in, and and either six man protected free release the back, or go seven man protection with a tight end in, or play action the tight end should not end up all by himself on the defensive end. No. Nope. And and that happens. It's still happening in the league and it's frustrating and oh, if it yeah. happens if it happens against New England, New England's going to win that down quick.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Every time I see it, every time I see a tight end manned up on a rusher, uh especially yeah. a good edge rusher, I'm always I'm always confused. So Saturday, it could play out any number of ways. Let's say hypothetically Tennessee gets the win. What do you think happens up in New England? Do you think that you see Bill leaving? Do you do you see Tom leaving? Is it a domino effect? Or do they they really have that window still open up there?
1: Well, I think that, you know clearly the window open. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think I, I think you got a better chance of watching them or of them potentially moving on after they win another trophy. Right. You know, then you could say, okay, well, how many more you want to win? Right. You know, exactly is enough enough. And but I, you can't speak for that. I mean, yeah. You know, they had such a you know an iconic, amazing run that oh, I just it's unprecedented go there. But it, you know, I, I don't know. You know, uh, at, at some point it's going to end. But do they but... leave
0: together or do they leave one by one? Because I don't know. Whenever that is, it's like, how do you how do you make? It's probably Tom first because of age. I mean, it's just got to be.
1: Wait, wait, I should be asking you this question. Yeah. You spent a year inside that building.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I, here's how I think it'll go, Fish. Uh, I've actually thought at different times this year, and I I, uh, I, had this crazy theory that Tom would end up back in San Francisco because of the team they were building. When I looked at it in the preseason, I wondered if things go sour this year. I I, I knew all year that, that New England was good, but not the way they've been. And people fell for the, you know, they, they fell for the okey-doke on the defense being historically good. They're very good, um, but they were feasting on bad teams. And I said to myself, Jimmy G, I didn't know he'd be this good, okay? I, I thought the sample size was too small. I thought maybe Jimmy G would would enter a rut and you'd say, hey, we built this beautiful football team mm-hmm. full of powerful, uh, powerful scheme. You know, we've got Debo Samuel going. We we make a trade for Sanders like, they can beat you in any number of ways. The defense is really good. I thought Tom, growing up a Niners fan, might head up head out to the Bay. Now, I've also heard Chargers. I've heard Chicago, um, you know, as possible destinations. I think it, it'd be kind of weird for him. I know he sold his house. There's all this stuff going up, And I've played with Tom, but it's still shrouded in mystery. People, they don't talk about it, you know, and that's the hard part. So, it is, it, it's, I don't think anybody can get mad up there at people forecasting what will happen because we don't have anything to go off of. And Bill, I mean, you, you've got the Dallas job. You've got the Giants job. Those are jobs that if he wasn't in New England, I would see him in those spots. But uh, Gettleman's back in New York, so I don't think that's going to happen. I still think there could be some wild card chance he ends up in Dallas somewhere down the line. But does he want to deal with Jerry? I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It's one of those franchises where we can't we can't picture it without them. And I don't know what it's going to look like
1: it's going to be completely different and that and that, I think and a lot of people are saying the same thing you know as as you as you move over and you look at what Josh is doing, yep. you know with just if josh is just he's staying there because he he should be the guy to step up and and take over do you, you think he stays do you think he stays yeah, so I don't know i mean i I don't know it's uh it's been a remarkable run and uh amazing place one that I have total respect for, you know, I was excited. You got that opportunity. I mean, I have respect for the Kraft family over the years, seeing what they've done. And, and Bill, you know, what he's done has been amazing.
0: They're tremendous. Um, you know, when you look at these coaching jobs out there, which one do you think is the most ready made? If you, if you're, if you're a coach looking at an opportunity, which one are you like, God, that's a car I'd like to drive. I mean, that's, they've got it all there.
1: Well, they're all different. Um, You know the difference here is there. I don't believe you know my in my personal experience. I stepped into two teams that were two and fourteen the year before. I don't see any two and fourteen teams out there. These teams are 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 built and they've been built. Well, I mean, Cleveland has some players. They yeah. just have been dysfunctional and, yeah. and need some leadership and they need some stability and they need to figure it out or they're going to continue to do what they've done for the last decade, but they have players and yeah. Cleveland. I, I like. I think someone's going to like that job because Baker has a chance, New York. Uh, you got a young quarterback yeah. that, do things you've got a running back that can do things you can through free agency now you can go in and plug in who you need to plug in you know as you as you saw uh dallas uh you know dallas is a i would think everyone would agree that dallas right now is a 10 and 6 football team i think people thought dallas might have been more of a 11 and 5 or a 12 yeah. and 4 team to yeah. start this season yeah. nonetheless that's a good football team yeah so Different. Now, you know, obviously Washington, you know, they they made a good decision with Ron. I think the one to watch is is Carolina. Now, Carolina probably needs the most work from a personnel standpoint. Um, You have questions at the quarterback spot. Uh, unlike the other uh, the other jobs, because you know usually when jobs open, you know you've been be- playing with a backup quarterback and you need to go draft a franchise quarterback and da 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 da. None of these are the case, with the exception of Carolina. And you know you just don't know what's up with the big guy. You yeah. know, um, you know if Cam comes back healthy, then he's still got some years left. So be interesting to see how it all shakes out.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. I feel like in this culture now in the NFL, the the attention span on coaches. And the leash is getting shorter. So to your point, you could have, you could, you know, the, pardon me using the analogy twice, but uh, you could drive a pretty nice car off the lot, you know, that just somebody scrapped because they were impatient. And and I think that's what you see in some of these these projects, I think, could turn around pretty quickly. I actually like Josh in, in, uh, in uh, Cleveland because I think what they need there is a people manager, somebody who has that New England edge and has like all the knowledge that he got there. Now, to your point, he might not leave because he might be waiting, but I think the job would mean a lot to him being an Ohio boy. Two, if you've been around Josh, you know Josh. He's more personable than some of these cliche New England guys. I think he could manage some of the big personalities. I said the same thing. The Carolina job is needs the most work, it's the most question marks. And Dallas, to me, it's like they got a great team, but the window's closing, so you got to do it now, right? I mean, they're getting older and whatnot.
1: Well, yeah, they are, but... You know, as far as Dallas is concerned, the the thing that's different now than, say, for example, when you know when we built the Titans and sustained them, uh, we did that through the draft. We didn't do it through free agency. Right. And now you can plug in the pieces through free agency if you have a foundation, as long as they fit. Right. You know, and you can you know you can get over that hump quickly. Yeah. The question is, is Really is who's making the decision. And this, it, it comes down to this. There, it, you got, we have 12 teams left. Okay. The one thing that these 12 teams have in common is they have teams that have a re- GM and a head coach that are working side by side together. Yep. Okay. And, and someone would say, well, continuity, this and that. But no, the, in San Francisco, those guys haven't been together very long. But you know what? They are together. Okay. And I made this comment the other night, and you appreciate him. I mean, every head coach and GM are going to hug after the game, after a big win (laughs) like that. Okay. But they grabbed each other's asses. Yeah. Okay. When they hugged, yeah. I mean, they, the point is, is they're doing this together. So that's what it takes. You have to have guys working together the rest of the league. I mean, and it's some of the teams that we've talked about, you know, you got, you got a GM that's just left and one that's going out and one doesn't know if he's going to be there. And, you know, you just, and now who's hiring the head coach and things like that. There's no chance for continuity or stability. Right, and um, you know you you got to close the door and 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 lock yourself up in a room and have a plan and put that plan into place. And that's not I'm not seeing that. You know, with the the other two thirds of the league right now.
0: What's one thing you miss about coaching, and what's one thing you do not miss about coaching?
1: um there's nothing i don't miss
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: the uh well yeah it would be not be able to see montana in the fall i i, I had to guess yeah that was gonna okay. be my guess yeah. I,
0: I so i'm one for one yeah you I, are i know the second one uh,
1: and the, the thing i miss is you guys
0: yeah there you go
1: that's that's the bottom line i mean i, I love coming to work every day with you guys yeah you know and you know i just see myself as one of the guys, not out there on Sundays, busting my ass and, and putting my career on the line to win a game for a bunch of guys around me. But that's what I miss. I mean, and, and what's cool is to be able to stay in touch yeah. with you or you know Tavon or you, know, who, yeah. who, you name them. There, I mean, they stay in touch. It's funny when you
0: when you get away from football. And same thing with like Woff and me. Me and Woff used to fight like cats and dogs. And when we worked together. And we never did, but like, you know, my D-line coach, Woff, and I, because it's his personality, right. my personality, whatever. But when we got away, we we talk every week. And I'll be on the phone for 30 minutes with, with Woff. I love you. I love you, man. You know, that whole thing. It's like the bonds that get created, the people, that's what I miss. You know, like I miss that. You know, sure, you miss the opportunity to make big plays. You miss the roar of the crowd or whatever. But the people, to your point, if you're in the right situation, it's a people place, you know?
1: Well, it is, and it and it and it goes beyond. It goes beyond the roster, and that's what I think people lose sight of. Is that it? Sh- it should extend all the way out to the front, to the guard shack in front of the building. Yes, and where you know that's where. That's where it's fun, and that's where the challenge is: is getting everybody on the same page. And going back to what we said earlier, is you know, it's one thing to have the players hustle in the building because they're looking forward to coming to work, but everybody needs to come to running in the building mm-hmm. because it's a fun place to work. Yeah. And you know, it's that we versus them. You know, anybody can stand in front of a team after a win on Monday morning, but how do you handle those those tough times? Well, unfortunately, in many organizations. In those tough times, those people are pointing at, well, they lost. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's the challenge is pull that, pull the organization together. It's called leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think that's lacking in the league.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. And you made a great point. Some of the places I've been, I remember the people that weren't on the roster as much as I remember the Jimmy Lake in, in St. Louis, you know, whether it was Playmaker, the equipment guys, you know, Silk. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. our our boys and guys that you remember were in like Philly, it was Big Dom, Security, if you ever met Dom, he's the man. You know, the yeah. guys in the kitchen, and and you did. You treated everybody really well that way. Um, yeah. So, moving on from coaching, a couple of quick hitters before I get you out of here. Uh, competition committee, you spent a lot of time on it. Um, what's one thing you want to see change? And what do you think of the PI thing? I can't let you out of here without asking well,
1: you about that. You know, I, I think you, I mean, you have, you have to go to officiating, um, you know, the one thing that one, one thing I'd like to see change with respect to the league is that uh at some point uh somebody needs to highlight the great calls on the field. Because the as as the as the youth football leagues across the country are staring at these NFL players, you have Young officials, aspiring officials that like to officiate the game, that are looking up to a mess, and 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 there's not you you. It's a hard job. There are great calls every week. Here's an idea for your segment: is why not highlight a great call? I mean, I remember about four yeah, weeks that's ago. Actually, pretty good. There was a game where there were three. Toe tap barely catches, two on the sideline, one the end zone, and they're all ruled correct. And it, there were great calls, but no mention about it. So the point is, is we gotta shift the perception of the officiating. Now, how do you do that? Well, it simply starts with that type of thing. Because you want people to want to officiate your boys, yeah. whether it's soccer or lacrosse or whatever it is, people don't want to do it because. People look down and, and the fish aid thing is not a cool thing. Right. Okay. So, so number one, that, that would help the NFL. Now, what do you do? Uh, how do you do that? I think that's an idea. That's a, a possibility Two, I, I really believe that in this mall, in my opinion, Dean Blandino needs to go in. They need to pay him and he needs to be the guy Yeah. and he needs to get this thing under control. Cause in my time in the league, when Dean was there, that was a good time. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like the stock market was great, and the economy yeah. was perfect, and you know <laughs> that was Dean Blandino stuff. Yeah, you know, because the officials on Monday, you know, you lose or you win, I lose or I win. They lose every Monday. Yeah, the and, officials, yeah, etc. So here's number one. I'd like to see that change. Number two, who knows what what they where they went wrong with pass interference, but they did right. And they need to get that cleaned up. Yeah. And any time as a rule, as being as part of a competition committee for a long, long time, I was a co chairman for a long time with Richie. Yeah. You know, we understood that if you if you have a knee jerk reaction and you try to write, change a rule because of one play. The unintended consequences will be devastating and that's what we saw this year. Yeah. Nobody knows what pass interference is. Nobody knows whether to challenge or not challenge or, or whether it's gonna go to the box or whether New York's gonna change it or what's gonna happen. Right. And because of the fact that one play was missed last year right. and the Rams went on and New Orleans did it. Yeah. So there's stuff there that needs to get cleaned up. Safety's good, I think. Um, you know, as far as I can tell, from a from an outsider standpoint, but uh, get Dean back and get Dean back in there, and 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 recognize how hard their job is.
0: No, I, I agree. I think there's we we rail on it, and I complain about officiating because now I'm a member of the media, and I also have Twitter, so that's like you know double whammy. All we like to do is complain about officiating. I, I have this theory that officiating has always been what it is. But our vantage point as fans and as people consuming Coach the game Jim. is accelerating past the, you know, acceleration of, of officiating improving. And to your point, they need to groom people more from the ground up and make it something to incentivize it. Like, I want to do this. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the, the pools there, that the college football has eight on the field. You know, there's things that can be done and everything is political and everything. Well, you got a union here. You got this or that. Or people don't, you know, it's just figure out what's best for the game and yeah. get the best people to do it and reward them. It is hard. Now, to your to your your second point there, there's a human element. Yeah. OK, and that's part of it. Yeah. It's subjective. Yeah. They're going to make mistakes. It's OK. So let's be able to correct. The the critical mistake, which we have the 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 wherewithal to do that through replay, but there's always going to be a human element in the game, and that's officiated, and it's okay. Yeah. But let's give them the tools, or let's at least at least recognize the fact that. These guys, their job's hard. I mean, yeah. I sat in a, I sat in a meeting, uh, officials meeting, and summer meeting with with Dean and and a bunch of uh, back deep officials, and and we watched twenty plays of, of that were either were or were not pass interference. Yeah. And twenty guys couldn't make up their mind. They were split down the middle. So if you got every official in that room and they're looking at plays and they can't agree. On the whether it is or not, you have to understand that that's how it's going to be called. Yeah. And so, and that's just kind of that's the human element in it. And yeah. and I think that's what's great about it. But I just I feel bad that that now if a guy has a an a enforcement mistake and he's enforcing a penalty incorrectly right. or doesn't get something or so then that's a problem right. because the rule book's not that, not that hard. Like, what Would but, you
0: say the Oakland play was like that, the slide play maybe on the sideline? Derek Carr, they were playing the uh, Jags in the last game against the Raiders. Yeah. He slid down, okay. and I guess when a runner gives himself up, the clock's supposed to stop, and it slid, and he went out of bounds. The clock stopped, and they were icing it. Then Jacksonville got the ball back. I mean, they should have got the ball back with like damn near nothing left. I don't know if you saw that play, but check well, that
1: to play play, but what you're describing if he slid in the field of play and gave himself up, yeah, okay, the you know that that clock's running, yeah, yeah, you're saying they stopped the clock, as I understood they,
0: it, it was like the clock stopped, and he's thinking he's sliding down on the sideline, he slid inbounds and out of bounds, and I guess they they stopped the clock, and then Jacksonville gets the ball back and goes and rips their heart out in the last game right. of the oakland Coliseum. It was a disaster, but I agree they need they need to fix it and um, but I also, I see your point, which is that, Hey man, show some good stuff. Cause they do make some good calls.
1: They make, make great calls. They, yep. they do good jobs. Yep. I mean, and, and none of that stuff is recognized and that's part of the NFL. That's part so. of
0: society.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course it is. But you know, you got, Hey, you got, you, you're going to, the The player made either did his job, made a great play, or made a poor play. Yeah. and and so I mean that's the same with the officials. Yeah, and it's all it all should be recognized.
0: So let me uh, now I'm gonna a uh, couple quick hitters uh, real quick. Last time you did not have hair on your upper lip, Jeff.
1: Um, well, come on, man. Um, you asked me that before. Have I? I think it was. It was. I was in high school. I was in early in the morning. I was eating some Fruit Loops, and the cat licked <laughs> off my mustache. <laughs>
0: Uh, outdoor, outdoor bucket list that you haven't crossed off.
1: I have a few places I'm left to fish. I've been really lucky. I've fished from Argentina to Alaska and, and caught most species on a fly rod. And I have a few places that I, I'd like to fish. And, um, and then I just love the outdoors, man. I love the mountains. I love when it gets right up there above 10,000 feet and hiking around and not knowing whether you're hunted or you're the hunter. So. <laughs>
0: What's your favorite place then?
1: Well, I mean, I spent, you know, the last couple of years I spent half the time in Montana. I got into Wyoming for a couple of weeks this year, which was cool. And, and been into Alaska. Alaska is an amazing place. Yeah, uh, It's it just mother nature is unlike any place else in Alaska. Yeah. So it's well, I, cool. I do
0: want to go. I don't know if I can handle the, uh, they say the bugs are bad up there. The flies.
1: When uh, You go and where you go.
0: Okay, good. You so. got to tell me then. Okay. So most underrated player, uh, from each team you coached, not each individual Uh, team, but each franchise.
1: Well, that would have to go back. Um, you know, so I go back to Houston, I guess most underrated, you know, we got there at the end. Um, uh, well, I thought Ray Childress was really a good inside interior player, Mm -hmm. but we got him at the end of his career. Mm Um, and I don't think he got his due uh, there. Uh, so I'd say maybe Ray, but then we were still Oilers before we moved. We had some good players. Um, you know, I, I have to say, um, uh, probably through that that whole that whole part, uh, you didn't get to really get to know him. And you know, I miss him every day. But uh, it would be Steve right. McNair.
2: Right. You know. Yeah.
1: Um, just an amazing, amazing man and athlete and football player, probably not a top three or four. They used to ask me all the time, is Steve a top 10, top five quarterback? This was in year three or four. I go, no, he's probably not a top five quarterback, but he's a top five football player. And so I'd probably say Steve, you know, mm-hmm. just what amazing man and a tragic end to a, a beautiful life. But, uh, and then, you know, I, I mean, um, you know the last stop i mean there are a lot of good players we had some you know, good the, ones uh
0: sorry we had some good ones yeah
1: yes good ones yeah i mean and, the, and unfortunately um you know when you're having tough times from in the franchise and you're not winning games the attention's not drawn to those really good players right. and um you know they just kind of go off so I, I hate to single any any out but um you know you fall into that category all yeah. serious aside. Yeah. um you know, there was, I mean, there was some really great defensive efforts, individual efforts, and and uh, they weren't ever recognized.
0: I still think Robert Quinn doesn't get enough credit, man. He's got the quietest 80 sacks in football.
1: Yeah, he doesn't, um, and you love him, I love him. I remember uh, and Jerry and Steven called me on him, you know, last, uh, last year. They wanted me an opinion on him, and I go, like, oh, you better get it done yeah. and don't think about it, because well,
0: he's it's it's been huge for them. I mean, he's been their leading. You know, the season's over, but he's their leading sacker. He's the leading hits guy. The whole nine and zero surprise to me. You get that guy on turf, as you yeah. know. There's nobody like that. Nineteen well, sack yeah, season. Yeah.
1: Dodge each other back in the back back of the pocket. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. over and how many times you have to do that? What, 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 you we, know, we were we were
0: a little bit close for comfort sometimes. Actually, if it wasn't yeah. for Robert Quinn, yeah. uh, I don't. It was my the 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 Green Bay game. Remember, I took an inside move, and and he ran by, and we ran it, and Bakhtiari ran and hit my and broke my tibia. So that was what sent me out. So it had it happened to be my bookend. We ran into each other. It was very ironic. You say that, Um, yeah. But but
1: we would fish hook with him. We never fish hook with you. I wasn't because it's hard fish hook the other side. Nothing about athletic ability. Well, it was more
0: when you got one guy that probably runs a four five five or a four six. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I always say him, William Hayes, uh, Michael Brockers. Who it took him going to L.A. for people to realize how good he was. Obviously, you guys nailed the Aaron Donald thing. How yeah. close were you not to drafting Aaron Donald?
1: I wasn't close at all. There were other people that were close. I know. I <laughs> there, know. There, there were other people there that thought he was too short. No. So, yeah. Well. I, I mean, no-brainer to me
0: last question uh favorite and I know we had some some ups and downs in St. Louis but favorite win most memorable win
1: Uh, in St. Louis yeah um I think it you know what was really fun was um when we went to Washington after the shutout against Oakland and and had back-to-back shutouts yeah and and then you remember um, you you came to me on the coin toss and said, cause I, I mean, I was so into the freaking game and, and well, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's send everybody we got in RG3 <laughs> trade out the coin toss. I remember so, every
0: time that, I'm in that locker room, I remember where I was sitting and you yeah. were walking by and I came up, and was like, hey fish man, you know, you deserve some yeah. credit for this trade, man. We need to send these yeah. guys out. I said, yeah. let's send all the so, guys out from their trade. You said, we better fucking play well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and we shut him out. Yeah, And was that Greg's, was that what the, the same game there that Greg just couldn't, he couldn't get the ball through the yellow post. No, yeah, And yeah. I made him put the ball against the locker after the game and got him out of his slump. Yeah, yeah, it was the same game. So I would have to say that was one of the one of my favorites, yeah. but you know, we we won on the road too. That's the thing yeah. people don't realize. I mean, we went into Arizona. Todd's mm. rookie year. Remember when Todd, Todd, and Todd slid down? Todd and, looked. And, I mean, you you know, we'd like, beat God, Bruce that's... and we'd go to Seattle and win. <laughs> and you know, the, the hardest one I thought was was the tie at San Francisco. That was our the first game year. I got drunk
0: uh, and fell down the stairs on the bus in front of you. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I had been drinking on the bus ride to the. the plane and I tripped I didn't trip because I was drunk I tripped because I would you know I tripped but I remember sitting up and being like I was like oh fuck that's fish I I tripped right in front of fish and you go hey buddy you played a great game
1: (laughs) yeah let me help you out yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that was the weirdest game I was gonna say to me to me it was San Francisco at home we wore the throwbacks that was the most physical football game I've ever played in
1: that same year because we went into overtime again and this time we won and we almost tied them twice in the same year. Yeah,
0: yeah. that was the year they went to the Super Bowl. And and yeah. we, I'm telling you that game was like a wreck on the interstate over and over again. They had Brandon Jacobs, they had, you know, Leonard, oh, yeah. was it Leonard Williams as, a, as an extra tight end? So I was mm-hmm. lining up in a four eye on Anthony Davis and then head yeah. up on Leonard Williams, and they had IU Potty, Frank Gore. I tell people about he those f- games, it was a bloodbath. Uh, so yeah. we, had, we had some good times, man. It, we may oh, not dude. have gotten over the hump in, in St. Louis, but I'll tell you what, and, and on a serious note, um, before we close out, the players love, loved you, Fish, and we loved each other. I still talk to those guys on a regular basis. And the most special thing, the Super Bowls, they were great in my career, but was that D-line room we had in St. Louis, so I appreciate you putting that together. And uh, every week, helping us go play with an edge. So thanks, Fish.
1: Well, like I said, it was fun. It yeah, was me. really fun, and that's how this game should be. And people lose track of it. Yes, lose sir. Side of
0: it. Yes, sir. Hey, I'll, well, I'll clear, see my you. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Maybe we'll get up the mountain.
1: Stay in touch. You okay, got buddy. It.
0: Thanks.